Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high-achieving, goal-oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to the bonus podcast series called the Wine Free Workweek Challenge. I challenged my email subscribers and followers to a wine-free four days, and we met live every day in a private Facebook group, and I coached them. And these special podcast episodes are the recording of those live Q&A-style coaching calls. We cover the range of topics. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to day three of the Wine-Free Workweek Challenge. You guys are rock stars. So I've got a whole list of things that you guys have typed in the comments and things I want to address today. So we're just going to dive in. Are you guys ready? So the first thing I want to talk about is the idea that there's a gene that you might have that makes you want to, you're like predisposed to drinking more or being an alcoholic versus is it just a learned behavior? And first of all, I am not a doctor. I do not know the answer to this question from everything that I've read and researched. There's real no, there's no real evidence or test that you can take that says you have a gene that predisposes you to being an alcoholic or somebody that likes a lot of alcohol, okay? So I choose to believe that it's a learned behavior because if you think about it, you weren't like this as children, right? Like you didn't have an overdrinking problem when you first started drinking. Now, I know that there's outliers. I'm talking more about most of you here. The first time you drank, maybe you did get drunk. I did get drunk the first time I drank, but I was also like 14 years old. I was trying to prove something. I'm like, let me drink this much out of the whiskey bottle at a sleepover and prove that I'm cool. Like I went out to do that on purpose. It wasn't like, oh, I was just hanging out and and sipping on some alcohol. You know, that was, (laughs) it was like an intentional thing that I wanted to be cool, right? My first sort of like experiments with alcohol, I was young. I was probably having like some Kahlua at a Christmas party with my family, like secretly or something, right? So if you think about your first times with alcohol, your first experiences with it, it's not like it is now, right? Most of you, that's the case. It's a learned behavior, especially when we are drinking in response to our feelings. We teach our brain to desire alcohol when we feel those feelings again. That's why it feels very hard. Some of us have events in our past, like we got a divorce or somebody died or we changed jobs or we moved or something, our kids went away to college, right? Something happened, somebody got sick, something happened and we kind of used alcohol there to um, help ourselves get through it, you know, like taking the edge off or just to kind of, you know, feel better at the end of the day. We started training our brains that we seek alcohol when we feel uncomfortable. That's all that's happening. And then we get into a pattern of that. And then it turns into a habit. And then our brain pings us and gives us an urge to desire alcohol any other time we have a feeling, no matter what kind of feeling it is. Either it's excitement, joy, pleasure, stress, anxious, overwhelmed, right? So we've taught our brain how to urge it, like desire it, right? And just like we've taught it, we can unteach it by learning how to feel our feelings and process our feelings. You guys probably have a really good um, 
like evidence of this in just a few days, right? Like learning how to feel and process and you get motivated to go do something else, okay? So I don't believe that it's a gene, but again, I am no doctor. I also just like to think about it this way. When you think I have a hereditary issue with alcohol, it kind of like, it just, think about how that makes you feel. That thought, it's hereditary or it runs in my family. How does it feel when you think that? How does it feel when you think I have a disease? It doesn't feel good, right? (laughs) It kind of feels shameful or like there's something wrong with you, right? And when we feel that way, what do we do? We drink, (laughs) okay? So I just don't think it's helpful to attach a label or to diagnose ourselves in that way unless you want to, unless when you do, it feels good and it feels true and it, it doesn't cause any triggering emotions for you. Okay. If that feels good for you to think, keep thinking it by all means. Most of the people that I work with don't want to put that label on themselves. Okay. And so we just don't. And we just say alcohol and how much you're drinking right now is a learned behavior and you can learn how to not do it. That's exactly what I'm teaching you in these four days. Okay. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's it. That's the answer to that question. Um, Wendy, you wrote, it feels like I'm going to die from alcohol like my father. Okay, so Wendy, that's a thought that you're having. How does that thought, that sentence that you're telling yourself in your brain make you feel? Scared? Fearful? Worried? What do you do in your life when you feel scared, worried, or fearful? Really think about that. Like when you feel scared, what do you do? When you think that you're going to die, right? You probably are drinking more. You're probably self-loathing. You're probably ruminating in your head. You're probably not doing the things that will actually help you stop over drinking. Right? Terrible. All of it, she says. She's saying, terrible. She drinks. Okay? So that thought is not helping you stop drinking. Do you see that? I would drop that thought like it's hot. Like, there is no need for any of you guys to think that way. When you notice your brain doing that, you got to say, we don't think like that anymore. I'm working on this. I'm helping myself. I'm, I'm figuring this out. I'm dedicating to getting myself help. Okay? It's not going to help you stop, I promise. So it's a really good example of how these types of thoughts about our histories or our families or all of that do not help us stop over drinking. Okay. Yeah. Think about Jamie wrote to be free of self-loathing. How amazing would that be? It's amazing. I got to tell you, I don't beat myself up. If I find my thoughts doing that, I'm like, oh, we don't think that anymore. And I quickly redirect. It rarely happens. It's amazing not to hate yourself. It feels really good. And then I want to treat myself with respect and love. And I don't drink and I don't overeat and I don't spin out and live that way. Okay. All right. So the next question was weight loss. You guys have been posting a lot about weight loss in the Facebook group. And I know a lot of you guys want to lose weight at the same time, right? It was, I'm very, I was very similar. So my, I I linked um, a podcast episode, maybe Amanda, you could link it up now, but it's um, a podcast episode that I've done recently, like in the last six weeks or so, it was called new way to lose weight. Okay. You guys should all listen to it. It's a class that I taught. It's about an hour long about how I lost the weight and how you guys, how I recommend that you guys lose weight too. But just a couple things on weight loss while we're here together. 
Exercise does not help you lose weight. It's not a tool for weight loss. Like even like all the big experts, all the big fitness experts and everything are saying that now. It really isn't a tool to lose weight. Okay, it's a tool for to build strength, cardiovascular health, mental health, to feel fit, to feel good, to give you more energy during the day. All of that stuff it's amazing for. Okay, helps you sleep better at night, moving your body, all that. Okay, helps you be more creative, but not for weight loss. And this is why, because when we exercise, we have thoughts <laughs> that come in that say, ooh, I worked out really hard today. I could probably eat another piece of pizza. Or, ooh, I worked out today. That's 300 calories. It's like that Weight Watchers mentality is like this calories in, calories out thing. That does not work. It does not work. Hear me on this. Seriously, it does not work. Okay? If you exercise or go run five miles, and like according to the Weight Watchers way, you should be able to eat like another 500 calories that day, right? No, it doesn't work like that. If that worked... Weight Watchers would not be in business anymore, okay? It does not work because we tend to eat more when we have those types of thoughts, okay? You need to learn how to eat the way you want to live, and that's what I teach inside my program. So a lot of my clients also want to lose weight. They do. We do both. We coach a lot on weight loss and over-drinking at the same time, okay? Your thoughts are what cause your result in your weight. Not what you're eating, not how much you're exercising, not even menopause or any of that other shit. Okay, your thoughts, yes, you're going to be predisposed to maybe hold on to extra weight based on hormones and stuff like that. And I'm educated on that. I can help you through that. But your thoughts about your capabilities to to lose weight is what you want to pay attention to. Not a diet plan, not how much you're working out. Okay, so if you're thinking this is hard, This is taking too long. I want faster results. Think about how all of those thoughts make you feel. Frustrated, tired, overwhelmed. (laughs) Not fun, not loving to yourself, right? And when you feel that way, you're going to eat more. You're going to have these little grab-ass bites of like a piece of cheese here or, oh, it's been a long day. I need a piece of chocolate here or I'm going to need a glass of wine here, right? Like it's just these little teeny tiny thoughts that go into your brain that are like the biggest, that make, causes the biggest sabotaging things that we do. Okay. Yeah. Jen says, Ooh, I worked out now so I can have a glass of wine. Right? Like it doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Our brains, like we say this and then we sabotage our efforts to work out. Right? Right. Stephanie says my activity points were incredibly high. Didn't lose weight. It doesn't work. Because listen, sometimes we get sick, right? Sometimes we get injured. Sometimes things go wrong. We can't get our workout in. And then what? We don't know how to eat. We don't know how to listen to our bodies to decide if we're hungry or not. We're following some app. We're found, oh, I didn't work out today, so I can't have this food. All of that. You guys, our bodies know, it gives us the signs naturally when we should be eating and when we should be stopping eating. If you guys could listen and tune into your bodies, to decide if you're actually hungry right now. And it gives us clues. It it releases hormones to tell us when to stop eating. It's amazing, our body. It delivers us signals when we are hungry. The hunger signals, right? (laughs) We shouldn't be eating if we're not having those hunger signals, all right? 
Other hunger signals are like a little bit of lightheaded. Maybe you're thirsty. Maybe you feel dehydrated. Maybe you feel a little tired. You have a stomach pain. Those are all signs that your body, it might be time to eat. What you want to do is ask yourself, am I hungry? Drink a glass of water. If it doesn't go away, it's still gnawing at you, then eat something. Okay? Eat a meal. Stop before you're stuffed. Stop before you feel uncomfortable. And if you do that, you will lose weight. (laughs) What is left behind, though, is how you are thinking about yourself, about your weight, about your body. All of that needs work. All of that we need to uncover just like with the alcohol, right? Like, what are you thinking about your job? What are you thinking about your kids? What are you thinking about your relationships? What are you thinking about COVID that causes you to feel those feelings that drive the actions of eating when we're not hungry? Okay, it's all the same. Yes, we don't need to eat just to fill a void. Yes, it's mindfulness. It is. Okay, so I don't recommend calorie counting, macros, any of that bullshit. I recommend planning your food 24 hours in advance, just like with alcohol. That's it. Make decisions about what you want to eat based on your goals, based on what feels good for your body, and eat when you're hungry and stop when you're satisfied. The rest of it is coaching your mind and feeling your feelings. So I highly recommend that you guys listen to that link. Amanda posted in the chat. Okay, let's see. So the other question I saw was, how long did it take me to not have the want for wine anymore? And it wasn't that long. It was probably like four weeks. I put myself in all of the uncomfortable situations. I went to parties. I went on vacation. I hosted parties and didn't drink and allowed myself to feel and process those urges. And it was just a few times where it really got my desire down. And it built my confidence. It was probably more the confidence because I felt like, yeah, I can handle it. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, it looks like everybody's enjoying their glass of wine, but I'm okay. I can handle this. That came after I put myself in a few of those situations and felt uncomfortable and got through it without drinking. My confidence built after that. And then I think the confidence kind of overpowered the urges that I may have had, right? Like I just knew that I could do it. I wanted to do it. I was very committed to doing it. And so I did. So, uh, you know, within that 90 day period that I didn't drink at the very beginning of my journey, my desire was like really, really high and went like it really kind of leveled off probably after about 30 days. And then when I started drinking again, I started adding it back in in a very limited amount. It went up again because, you know, you are going to have desire for alcohol a little bit if you're drinking it. It's normal. Okay. It went up a little bit and it kind of stayed probably like if I were to put it on a scale of one to 10, it was probably like a three. But then it came to a point where I just like, "Eh, I don't like it. It didn't taste good. And there wasn't somebody else asked me if there was like some magic light bulb moment. It just the whole light bulb moment for me was when I was in the break from it in the beginning and I realized the impact that it was having on my life and how much better I felt without it. I was sleeping better. I was waking up earlier. I was, my relationships were improving. Like they were just so much better without it. That was like, oh my God, I can have more fun without alcohol. That was, that was really the light bulb. Okay. And then I gave myself the space and the time to figure out exactly the kind of relationship I wanted to have with it. And then ultimately decide I just didn't want to drink anymore. Virginia says, I notice when I drink my want for alcohol, don't drink, my want for alcohol goes away. I think when I feel shitty from drinking, I want to drink because I think that will make me feel better. Yeah. All right. That's, that's exactly what's happening, especially if we're beating ourselves up, 
about the alcohol. We're saying, God, I feel like shit. God, I drank so much last night. God, this sucks. Thoughts create our feelings. Okay. You got to separate the physical feeling of the hangover, right? Put that on the side and then look at how you're thinking about how you're feeling. Look at how you're thinking about what you did the night before. All of those will create more feelings that just don't feel good. Shame, regret, and then your brain wants to find the pleasure to get out of that. So it's going to urge you to drink wine, tell you, oh, one drink won't hurt, it'll make you feel better. Comments here. Maria says, I love how you introduced talking to your brain. Yeah, we have two voices in our head. That's how I like to think about it. So we've got this primitive brain voice, and then we have our higher brain, our prefrontal cortex, okay? And they both have voices. They both sound like you. It's your voice, right? But one has thoughts. It's like, oh, one drink won't hurt. And the other one's like, that's not on your plan. <laughs> that's not what you planned for, Right? So you, what you want to do is recognize the difference and, and lean in towards the higher part of you, the one that is reminding you that you had a goal in mind, right? Listen to that part of your brain instead of the one that's like, oh, it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? Just that little sneaky voice in there. It's like, oh, that's all right. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter, right? You got to tell yourself, I care. That's why I decided not to drink tonight. That's why I didn't plan for it, right? I care. My goals care. I care about all of that. I care about myself. You got to have that on hand, ready to go when you hear those lower, lower brain talking to you. Yep. Set the hangover aside and then look at how you're thinking and feeling of it. Your physical feelings, like you might feel tired, you might feel puffy, you might feel bloated, dehydrated, right? Those are physical feelings. But then emotionally, you add on top of that with how you're thinking about yourself, which just creates the whole experience of it being 100% terrible. Trisha says, would love to get there. I can have more fun without alcohol. That sounds amazing. It seems like every social activity we are involved in with friends and family involves lots of alcohol. Yeah, that's because we, we live in a drinking society, right? Like most people drink, but you don't have to make it harder than it needs to be, honestly. You really don't like if you can put yourself like choose to. This is what I did. I chose to go out and put myself in those situations so I could practice my urges. Decide that you want to feel uncomfortable on purpose. Take ownership of that uncomfortableness. And when you do that, you are in the power seat instead of you being at the effect of it. Okay, it's a totally different experience. Someone I know says life is short. We should have fun and drink and party. I want to think life is short. Why spend it drunk and regretfully? boom. Life is short. Let's remember it. Life is short. Let's do all the things that we actually want to do. Let's go after our goals and our dreams. Alcohol steals that from us if you're over drinking. Okay. All right. Um, I think that answered all of your guys' big questions. Let me know if you have any other questions. You can just put them in the Q&A or the, the comment box here. And then uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about my coaching program, which is super exciting. Um, so I'll give you guys a few minutes to type in anything you want to ask. Yeah, your excuses come from your lower brain, Elaine. Yeah, Tr Tracy, you mentioned being dehydrated. It just occurred to me that when I drink wine at night, I would wake up in the middle of the night dehydrated. This week without the wine, I haven't. Yeah, like I can't remember. I would, I would wake up at like 3 or 4 in the morning, heart racing, heartburn, dehydrated, chugging the water in the middle of the night to try to you know, hydrate myself after drinking the wine. It's terrible. Stephanie says, do you think it's possible to apply this to smoking? Absolutely. Plan your cigarettes. Notice when you want to smoke. Where's the feeling come from? 
right? Are you stressed? Are you nervous? Are you anxious? Are you bored? It comes 100% from feeling and you're using that cigarette to get through that feeling. I used to smoke too before kids, the same thing. So I, if you want to decrease your, or quit smoking, you could plan to have your cigarettes 24 hours in advance, write it out, stay intentional with it and slowly cut back. Or you can just quit cold turkey and just work through your urges. That would be the fastest way to do it, <laughs> right? Apply using the urges that I've taught you guys here. Listen to the podcast, apply that to smoking cigarettes. For someone that drink daily, what are the withdrawals? I've been so hot at night sweating. Karen, how old are you? That could be um, a hormonal thing. You know, I have, I sweat at night sometimes too. Um, if you didn't notice that before you were drinking, then that might be a withdrawal. I'm not sure. I am not an expert at, at getting people off alcohol. Most of my clients, they are familiar with taking a few days off and it's not like they don't notice huge side effects from that. They might have a headache or they might feel tired or something, but they're not having major withdrawals. I used to sweat and have increased heart rate when I drank. Like then, like that was my body going through withdrawal the night that I drank. So I'm not sure about, you know, the next night I typically wouldn't have that if I didn't drink again. Mary says, your coaching program has changed my life. I'm only six weekend. My urges are gone. Would never have believed it after three to five glasses a day. Yay. Thank you, Mary. You're amazing. Karen says, you're, Karen, you're 54. So Karen, that might be, um, but you said you're not in menopause. Yeah, you, it might be withdrawals. It might be. If you're worried about that, I would just talk to your doctor. Just, you know, reach out to your nurse practitioner or your doctor about that and ask them some questions. Jen says, my blood pressure has already gone down. It's good. It's going to take a couple of days. I know you guys posted about this in the Facebook group. Like, you're tired. Like, a lot of people are like, I have more energy. And some of you are like, I'm so tired. I feel groggy. It's normal. Like, if you're drinking every day, you know, almost a bottle of wine, you know, on average... Of course, your body's going to have some detoxing to go through. That's normal. It's adjusting, right? It's healing. It's not use. It's like adjusting to not having all that sugar going through your body. And it takes so much energy for your brain to heal your body and for your body to process and heal. You're going to feel tired. When, think about if, you're, if you stop eating sugar or stop drinking caffeine. There's an adjustment that your body goes through for that. And so I would expect that you might be tired. I would just really make sure you get a lot of sleep. Limit your technology throughout the day. Pause and breathe and process throughout the day. Take care of yourself. Get to bed early. If you have to go to bed early, that's fine. Like, I'm really tired today. I woke up before 5. I worked really hard. I wrote my podcast, recorded it. I went for a four-mile walk. I coached my in my group co- program for 90 minutes this morning. Did some other work. Like, I'm tired. It's 1.30. <laughs> I would expect that I'm tired though. And sometimes I'm just tired and I can't really explain why. Like I went to bed at nine o'clock last night. You know, maybe I didn't get a good night's sleep. Like what we think about being tired, also you want to look at. Don't add more tiredness to your tired, <laughs> right? Like if you're tired, that's I feel tired. Like I feel it in my face and my eyes. Like it feels heavy, a little warm. I know I'm tired, but I'm not thinking, God, I'm so tired. I can't do anything for the rest of the day. God, I don't know what to do. I'm so tired. You guys notice the difference? It's like I'm tired and it's okay. I can still work. I'm still I'm tired. I can still show up. There's a there's a difference in the way we think about the physical feelings that we have. <laughs> we are not lizard brains. 
You're right. We're not. And we do have that component in our brain, that pr- that primitive part of our brain. But we have a the, the beautiful thing about being humans is like as we've evolved past that primitive brain, when, our, when we were first developed as a species, we only had this lower part of our brain. OK. And then as we've evolved, we've gotten this prefrontal cortex. OK, which helps us think about the future, make plans, analyze our thoughts, all that sort of stuff. OK. And so. Our default programming is that lizard type brain. Its only job is to save us from harm, really, like protect us, seek pleasure, avoid pain, save energy. Okay, so we just need to learn how to manage that with our higher part of our brain, which is the most powerful thing on earth. That's being intentional with your thinking, learning how to feel and process without being reactive. All of that. Okay, it's once you once you learn how to manage your brain, there's nothing you can't do. Debbie says, I listened to your podcast where you discuss the connection between women, alcohol, and breast cancer. I didn't realize that eye-opening. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yes. So there's numerous studies that show that women that drink more than a glass of wine or you know, one serving of alcohol a day has increased chance of breast cancer. I can't remember the statistics, but I think it's like 35% bigger increase. So it's a carcinogen. <laughs> Like I for, I think a lot of us forget about what alcohol actually is. It is alcohol. It's a chemical thing that we put into our body and it's carcinogenic, if that's how you say it. It causes our cells to change. It is poison. <laughs> we have glamorized it so much as a society to be like, oh, it's fancy and it's beautiful and it goes well with our food and like all of this other shit. And it's alcohol. It's ethanol. And we drink that and put it into our bodies and it hurts us, <laughs> especially for drinking more than one drink a day, which is the recommended quantity, right? So if you guys don't want to get breast cancer, a way you can reduce that risk is by stopping drinking or seriously cutting back on it. That was a big motivator for me. I don't want to be unhealthy in my older age. Like I don't want to be in a nursing home and have somebody have to take care of me all the time and have heart disease and all of that. If I can prevent that stuff through my lifestyle, I'm absolutely going to do it. I do not want to live that way. I do not want to age that way. That was a huge motivator for me, especially around my heart. I worked in healthcare advertising and I interviewed a ton of cardiologists up at like um, Dartmouth, Hitchcock, like big institutions. And we talked about heart disease and women and men and contributing factors to that. All of that stuff is preventable through diet and exercise and lifestyle. And I 100% don't want to get that shit. So it, when I was doing this, I'm like, God, and learning about all this stuff, I really just, it really did motivate me to not want to keep poisoning myself. Debbie says, sleeping better for sure. I kind of am excited for my Friday um, gods of wine with pizza night. The reason why is I limit myself to one or two glasses and how much I will appreciate the indulgence. Glasses of wine, not gods. Okay. <laughs> You're excited for your glasses of wine on Friday. Yes. So I want to address that real quick. I talk about, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more tomorrow, but since you brought it up, I'll, I'll bring it up now. Um, if we're starting to get excited about drinking on Friday or this weekend, that's a warning sign. Okay. I want you guys to not think about drinking. Practice not thinking about drinking until it is time to drink. If you've planned it, if you've, you know, what I do, I recommend you guys do is write out your drinks ahead of time. In your journal, make a drink plan. If you're thinking about how awesome that's going to be now, and that's two or three days away, 
that's a sign that you're you're like still have a very strong desire for it. That doesn't doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you, but you don't want to like fantasize about it too much because your desire for it is just going to keep building until it comes time to drink your two plan drinks, and you're going to be like overly excited about it. And you're going to go into your drinks and it's just, it's going to be really hard to stop at the two because your desire is going to be so high. Does that make sense? So if you find yourself sort of pouring out on it (laughs) and visualizing how awesome it's going to be, you redirect your brain. Like we don't, somebody that doesn't overdrink doesn't, doesn't think like that. There's, there's other things to think about besides what your amazing two glasses of wine are going to drink, are going to taste like, right? What that experience is going to be like. Redirect until it's time to drink those drinks and then check in with yourself before you do. Get yourself into a neutral place and then enjoy them with pleasure, with all of it, right? Like be very attentive to it. Sit down. Don't be scrolling on your phone. Don't be watching TV. Like really enjoy the nice glass of wine that you've planned to have with your full attention, (laughs) Joanne says oh my god you're too funny Debbie you had beat breast breast cancer earlier this year or you had breast cancer earlier this year sorry Debbie Heather says I'm pretty sure I don't want to drink again yeah how can we as non-over drinking women help to change this gross mom wine culture I want to change the world now I know Mary like I just I just call people out on that shit you know if I see it on Facebook, I'm just like, no, we're not doing that. I <laughs> did it in a local mom's club that I'm in, which has a pretty large membership. Somebody posted, um, it was like, it's all. it takes a village to uh, raise a family or raise kids or something. And then it said, it's going to take a case of wine or something to get through homeschooling. And I just said, no. <laughs> like hard stop no (laughs) and then I went on this rant I'm like this is why we're told like listen if you guys see that stuff and you're trying to cut back on your drinking and you see the memes and you see these comments and these t-shirts in your Facebook feed you won't be able to unsee it now by the way (laughs) it'll be everywhere but when you see that and you're trying to cut back when you see those messages it makes you think I should be able to drink you're right it's hard to homeschool I deserve to drink my wine at the end of the day Okay, those messages infiltrate us. Okay, they influence our society. They do. Just like if you can believe about being influenced in anything in society, right? Women were influenced so much in what we look like, what we wear, what we want our bodies to be, right? Like there's an influence in our society, whether we want to admit it or not, it does happen. And wine and this mommy wine culture has influenced women to drink more. It has. Like, I was part of that. I would push those memes and think it was funny and all that thing. I would do it. I was in it. It does make a difference. But what sucks about it, and it can be funny. Like, one meme is not a big deal, right? But what sucks is that a lot of people, as you guys can see, suffer with this shit. They, we drink too much and we don't want to be drinking. And so when we see these messages, it makes us, it gives ourselves a pass. And we're like, yeah, you're right. It's hard. I should be able to drink my wine. And then we overdrink and then we stay stuck, right? It's no fun. You're welcome, Debbie. 
Trisha said, I would add that studies have shown that the sleep disruption alcohol causes is not good for the brain, especially in those predisposed to Alzheimer's. You're right. It's And it causes stress hormones, too. The cortisol levels goes up if we don't get enough sleep. That makes us hold on to weight and water. It's just the whole thing is not good. Agnes says, you're actually anxious about this weekend. Tell me why, Agnes. What are your thoughts? So if you guys find yourself doing this, coach yourself. If you think that you're anxious about this weekend, go to your journal and ask the question, why am I anxious? And let your brain tell you why it's anxious. It will tell you. I'm worried I'm going to overdrink. I'm worried I won't be able to stop. We need to uncover those thoughts, okay? And know that you can change your thoughts so you don't have to feel anxious anymore. I'm fine during the week, but the weekends are my rash are like my rational mind blinks out. What can I do? Make a plan for the weekend, Andy. Like just make a plan for how much you're gonna drink and practice following your plan. Practice allowing your urges. Don't drink in response to your emotion. All of the basics. These are the basics. Plan your drinks 24 hours in advance. Don't think about alcohol all the time. Don't beat yourself up if you overdrink. Okay? When it comes time to drink your planned drinks, check in with yourself. How are you feeling? What are you thinking? Are you using alcohol even though it's planned to solve some emotional need? Are you using it to make you feel better or to relax or not feel bored or to celebrate? If the answer is yes to any of those questions, you go and you process those feelings and then you have your your drink if you can get yourself to a more neutral place. And if you can't, you do not drink. That's what I would do. Those are the basics. The rest is... Thought management and and solving the underlying issues to why you're drinking in the first place, which is exactly what I'm helping you guys do right now and what I can help you do in my longer-term coaching program. So before we hit the top of the hour, I do want to talk about that, and then I'll come back to the questions because I know a lot of you guys are excited to hear about that. But I have a six-month small group coaching program for women who are, I would say, 90% of you fit the, the mold for who is a good fit for the program. So you've been over drinking. Um, you aren't dependent on alcohol. You can get through your day fine functioning without it. But you feel like you're in this pattern, in this habit every day at the end of the day that you want to drink, okay? Whether it's wine or vodka, it doesn't matter, okay? You've been emotionally drinking, meaning you drink to feel relaxed. You drink to get take the edge off anxiety. You drink when something sets you off or pisses you off. Or you drink to elevate your feelings of happiness or joy or excitement or celebration, okay? And when you, do that, when you drink from that place, even in the higher elevated feelings... You overdrink, okay? And you say you're not going to drink, and then you drink. <laughs> and you've been stuck in this pattern likely for a decade at least, okay? So though, if you identify with that, you're probably a good fit for the program. You could take a few days off without much issue. You might be tired, right? You might feel a little groggy. But other than that, you wouldn't worry that you're going to like hurt yourself by taking a break from alcohol. Okay, so like if you identify with that, you're probably a good fit for coaching. I am, again, I just want to keep saying this. I am not a medical professional. I help, I'm a life coach. And so what life coaching does is I help you look at your life, all of the areas of your life, your work, your relationships, yourself, your past, your goals. And I help you uncover what you're currently thinking about those areas. And I coach you to think about them differently so that you can reach your goals. With me, I'm an over-drinking coach, so we do that, and at the same time, I'm helping you 
stop over drinking so we can actually see what we're thinking about our lives. It's causing the drinking in the first place. Okay, because remember, we have thoughts about the areas in our lives or ourselves that cause our feelings and our feelings drive our actions of drinking. So my coaching is a a long-term solution. It's a permanent solution to address the underlying issues to why you're drinking in the first place. And it takes time to unravel that. You got to be willing to feel your feelings, be uncomfortable and examine what's going on in your brain. (laughs) Like it takes some grit to do this, honestly. And you have to see the benefit of doing it. And hopefully most of you have seen that over the past few days. Yes, it's been tough. Yes, you've had to go through some emotions. Yes, you've had to ride out some urges. But on the other side of that, you can wake up feeling proud and excited and motivated to keep going, right? So it's like you need to be willing to delay that instant gratification to feel good, to address the underlying issue, and to feel uncomfortable first. Does that make sense? So what we do inside the coaching program, the first thing that we do, first of all, it's a six-month small group coaching program. I only take a small number of people per month because I give you guys a very high-touch support. So everybody inside my program gets individualized coaching from me in a group setting. So what happens is we get two to three coaching calls a week. They're about an hour, and I bring you on Zoom. It's outside of Facebook. I bring you on Zoom, and I coach you directly on your specific issue. We cover all topics, okay? And I show you how your current thinking is leading you to drink or to eat or to do some of the things that you don't want to be doing. And then I show you a different way to approach it. I show you a different way you could think about it and give you some tools to practice thinking that new way and feeling better so that you don't automatically numb out with alcohol. There's also self-guided work. So every month inside the program, you get a workbook that covers the whole month where I teach you what concept, and then every day you have a little bit of application. So you write inside the workbook, very similar to what I emailed you guys all out here, but it covers the whole month. It's a monthly workbook. The first month when you join, we figure out our feelings. (laughs) We uncover what we're feeling. We just learn to describe our feelings. We start to understand them and what we do when we feel these certain ways, right? And we begin to process and feel instead of turning to alcohol. Okay. In the very beginning, I also help you set up with your goals to help you determine what kind of relationship you'd like to have with alcohol. Not everybody coming in is going to do it the same way. Some people want to drink. You know, some some people are drinking four or five glasses of wine a night and they just want to like their their first goal maybe to, to not drink a few days during the week. Okay. So that's where we would start. Other people want to start and they want to take a 30 day break. So I help you design those goals right away. That's you feel like are doable, but they're also going to stretch you a little bit. So a lot of people might get worried, like, I don't know, I'm not ready to not drink by joining this program. We will decide what that looks like together with what's best for you, okay? So it's not like a one-all type approach. Everybody does do the same work inside the program as far as the workbooks and the self-guided work, but the coaching is very much personalized to your and your specific need. And the benefit of the group is that you get to see Everybody else is coaching as well. So you get to observe me coaching somebody on a very similar issue that you might have, and you can apply that coaching to your life and have amazing results right away. There's some people in the program that rarely get live coaching from me, but they have had huge transformations by just observing other people's coaching. So you can participate as much as you want it. I recommend 
like you commit to getting coaching by me at least once a week. I have two to three coaching calls a week just to accommodate everyone's time zone. We've got people in Australia and Europe and all over the U.S. So I, I like to make a promise that if you're in my program, you should be able to get coaching with me once a week on one of those calls. Okay, so that's sort of like what the structure looks like. We also have a private Facebook group. Um, it's not this Facebook group. It's a private group just for those members. It's small, absolutely doable. If you post a question in there and need coaching, I respond to you directly every single time. So you can get daily support by me for the duration of the program. Mary says, I'm in. It's the best. Noreen says, this has been awesome, Angela. You've been my angel here on earth. <laughs> I was meant to see this challenge and submit to join. I don't think it would be so empowering to the point where I don't want to drink ETOH. I don't know what that means, but it has. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Beth says, for younger women here, as a 60-year-old woman who has been overdrinking for nearly 20 years, I can tell you it gets harder on your body as you get older and you do something about it. It's great that you're working on this now. Thank you for saying that, Beth. It's really awesome. I actually have a really good podcast. Um, Amanda, if you could link that up, the interview, interview with my client, Catherine, Catherine was a 61-year-old woman, entrepreneur, ran her own business, grandmother, and she came in and worked with me, and now she doesn't drink. Like, she had a serious wine habit every single night for decades. And by working with me and doing applying everything that I've been teaching you guys here, she changed her whole life. And I interviewed her on my podcast about her experience and what that shift looks like. What I want to tell you is that it doesn't matter how old you are. The, the average age in my group is a little bit older than me, actually. It's probably like late 40s to late 50s, okay? There's some younger women in there as well, but it's, it's, it's women that have been struggling for a long time, and they've tried the podcast, they've tried the books, they've tried the dry Januaries, they've tried all that other shit, and it hasn't helped. And so they're ready to be done with it once and for all, and they're ready to invest in themselves, and they're ready to get to work and solve it permanently. So if that sounds like you, don't matter how old you are, please apply to join. So basically, yeah, so the times. So the times range. So every month I put together the calendar. I, I sort of make it around a working woman's schedule. So sometimes I have early morning calls, like before work. I have sometimes lunchtime calls. I have evening calls. I also have weekend calls. So no matter what, like there should be a time per week that you can attend one of the live calls. Also, all of the calls are recorded and uploaded to a members-only website, so if you can't make it live, you can come back and watch. So there should be a live call that you can attend at least once a week, no matter where you are in the world. Mary says, the watching of other people's coaching is so therapeutic. <laughs> what a wonderful thing God is doing through, through you. Thank you, Jane. Oh, ETOH is the formula for ethanol. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> See, I'm not a science person. Alcohol medical abbreviation. Thank you. I've been taking control, and I'm excited about newfound empowerment. That's amazing. All right, so what I'm going to do, Amanda, can you link up? So what you can do to join the program, if you're interested in, there's it's application only, okay? So Amanda's going to put a link in the comments here for you guys to go over there and um, check it out. There's three short videos I want you to watch, okay? It describes the problem with overdrinking, the solution and how I'm going to help you, and then all the details of the program, and then there's all the details of the program there, and then there's an application button. You click that, you fill out a short online form, take some time with it, give me as much information as you can, and submit, and then if I think you're a good fit for the program, I'll reach out, and we'll set up a time to chat real quick. 
and you can ask me direct questions. We can talk privately and you will leave that call excited to join the program or know exactly what you need to do next on your own. Okay. And there's no obligation to do that at all. But I want you guys to consider this. Think about how long you have been suffering with this. How many years you've been trying. How many other programs or free challenges or podcasts or books that you've tried and it hasn't been a permanent solution. And what that would mean for you to be done with this once and for all. To stop thinking about alcohol. To get over your food issues. To lose weight for the last time for the rest of your life. We address all of that. To improve your relationships. I can't tell you how much coaching goes on inside the program about spouses and partners, and work relationships. I have a full bonus class in the in the program on relationships, okay? Like, there's a lot of work that we do on that. When you improve your relationships in your life, like, your life improves, right? And so much of our work and, like, our stresses and triggers are around a relationship. So it's a really important thing to work on. We, what do you, question from Virginia, question, do you do overeating coaching or just overdrinking? The main focus is overdrinking, but we also coach a lot on over, overeating. So I'm a certified weight loss coach. I, I teach the same methods that I lost my 55 pounds to my clients. We have overeating workshops inside the program. I hold special, there's also Q&A calls twice a month where um, there's one specific topic we cover. Every month there's an overeating weight loss call where I help you look at your food plans. I help you set up your food plans. We look at your food protocol, like how you're eating. I help you make adjustments to that. I review if you want to send me your food list and what you're doing, I can help you make adjustments to that too. So I do both. The main focus is over drinking though. But I would say 80% of the women inside the program are also trying to lose weight. <laughs> Is this just for men or can men do it too? It's just for women only. The, the small group pro, pro program is just for women. Yeah. Stacey says, what are the costs? The cost for the six-month program right now is $3,600. So that's for the full six-month, all of the coaching calls. There's 60 coaching calls, the daily support, all of the program materials, all of the bonus materials. It's $3,600 for the six months. That's what most people are spending at least on six months of alcohol or a year of alcohol. It's seriously a really good deal. I know it might sound like a big chunk of money, but if you think about how long you've been suffering with, what you're spending on alcohol, how much time this is distracting, to have a somebody guide you through this to have a, a permanent solution, to me it's a no-brainer. Like we spend that on a week's vacation. Like <laughs> it's for six months of coaching with me, $3,600 is nothing. And I'm actually going to be raising my prices at the end of the year. So, and I'm only taking a handful more people now. Mary says, worth every penny. I think so too. <laughs> so get your applications in, guys. Like seriously, like there's no obligation to fill an application. Get your application in and we can talk about it. But I would like my sister to do it as well. She does not have the Facebook. How do I get the application? Okay, looks like Amanda. She, yeah, just share that link for her. Have her watch the videos and then she can click to apply. How much is the freedom from the struggle worth? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. You guys, I paid about $3,600 for me to join my coaching program. That's what it cost for me. And I cannot tell you how much that was worth to me now. That was an investment in my life. It was better than any investment in the stock market. <laughs> like that investment helped me make this business right now. I have way more money than I ever thought I would. My relationships are improved. We bought a new home. Like, I cannot tell you. Like, 
that I think is one of the most exciting things about life coaching is that once you learn how to manage your brain about the over drinking stuff, you will learn how to manage your brain to create whatever else you want in your life. It's the same exact process. So I use the same tools to build my business, to improve my relationships, to run, run fastest runs I've ever had, to you know beat my own times in races, you know, all of it. So look at it as like, how can this benefit the rest of your life? It's a no brainer. Hey, if you liked this recording and want to take this work to the next level, I highly encourage you to apply me in the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living program. Applications are currently open. So all you have to do is click the link in the podcast notes and go over to the site. There's three short videos to watch there. The problem, the solution, and the details of my program. Watch all three short videos, read through that site, and click apply to join me. There's no obligation to get your application in, but we are filling up for the rest of 2020 right now, and I'm about to raise my prices for 2021. So if you've been on the fence about this, and you have been inspired and want to take this work to the next level, now is your chance, my friends. So get over there. Click the link in the show notes and apply to join me and stop over drinking and start living. See you there.